This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, out of this world entertainment. It's Friday, the 22nd of July. Welcome to the ninth episode of The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, the podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. I'm Michael A. Stackpole, science fiction writer. Welcome to The Secrets. This is the ninth episode of The Secrets, and for those of you who have not been here before, the first segment, I tend to go over something called the rules of writing. This is a series of articles that appeared in my Secrets newsletter, which you can find at my website. These rules of writing are the sorts of things that you can use to diagnose problems with your work, figure out where it is that you want to advance or change things, locate little problems. I certainly use them all the time. The ninth rule of writing is what is called define the conflict. Fairly often we hear people say, well, you know, there's only two stories or six stories or eight stories in the world. And let's face it, these are generally people who say that because they've got zero talent for writing. So they dismiss writing as being incredibly easy, since obviously if there are only two or four or six or eight stories in the world, then anybody could do it. The fact that they don't really is indicative of their talent and how much gumption they have. When they say story, what they really mean, or when they say plot, what they really mean is conflict. Conflict is the heart of the story. It's the engine of the story. It's the thing that drives what goes on. And you really need conflicts. To my mind, there are five conflicts, and these get broken down very easily. So let me go through them one by one, and I think you'll see the pattern they establish, and then you'll figure out how these work together. The first conflict is obviously man versus man. We see this in all sorts of stories. It's where mortal enemies clash. It's one of those things that doesn't have to be a physical clash uh, where they're trying to kill each other. It can be just a personality clash. They're trying to resolve a problem. But man versus man is the first conflict. Second conflict is man versus society, which is summed up in the whole phrase, you can't fight City Hall. And we've seen plenty of stories that involve that. You know, Take, for example, the uh, excellent book by Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's man versus society, dealing with prejudice in society. The third one is man versus nature. And again, we've all seen lots of true life rescue stories that concern this. It's man doing something against something which is much bigger than he is. You know, last year, if you recall, there was the young man who got trapped, got his arm trapped beneath a rock when he was rock climbing and fell and he had to cut his own arm off. And that's a man versus nature type story. The fourth one is man versus self. And this one is always sort of summarized by, at least in my mind, by a guy sitting in a dark bar staring at a shot glass full of whiskey and then finally looking up and saying to the bartender, okay, take it away. And the bartender looks at his watch and says, that wasn't bad, that was five minutes. But, you know, playing this game, you're going to fail someday. So that's man versus self. We all have little demons that we have to get over. The last one is man versus the supernatural. This also can be man versus technology, but man versus the supernatural, where you're dealing something bigger than yourself. But unlike nature, it doesn't have to follow the standard laws. There are certain things that nature is limited in. The supernatural can be anywhere. And it also makes for very interesting stories. I mean, look at what Stephen King has done with his career, talking about man versus the supernatural. Any one of these conflicts is certainly going to be the core of a story arc. 
and any one of these conflicts can be the core of a character's personal arc in a particular tale. And when you combine a bunch of these uh, conflicts together, this is where you get subplots, this is where you get an ever-expanding story, and you get fairly large novels. So conflicts are absolutely important. And, you know, one of those things that you can see is, with conflicts, is also uh, a nesting of conflicts. You know, a man may have a fear of a dog. So man versus self, getting over his fear of dogs, or man versus nature, getting over his fear of dogs. And he has to do that before he can get past something else. Let's say he has to get over his fear of dogs because his ex-wife and her abusive husband are holding his children hostage. And so he's got to get into the house, and he's got to get his children, and he's got to get them away. Well, the overall problem is a man versus man conflict between him and his wife, him and his wife's new husband, and yet he's got his own little fear that he's got to get over because they've got a big guard dog before he can go and take care of that other particular problem. So using these conflicts, you're going to be able to build up plots. You're going to be able to figure out what it is that characters need, and that is to change the state that they're currently in and to resolve that conflict. And then you'll be able to figure out the steps that they have to take to meet those needs and to get further along and that's where your story is. Then as you figure out each character's story arc you can also see where those characters conflict where they're going to bump up against each other and that becomes very very important because those are the really cool parts in any particular story in any particular conflict. So that's it. It's a very simple rule but identify the conflicts. If you do not have the conflicts identified if you do not know what your characters need where they're going what they want. Take a look at your story to find the conflicts. Find out what it is they desire, find out what it is they need, and figure out how to get them from point A, which is where they start, to point B, which is a resolution of that conflict, them obtaining the things that they need. And that ultimately is how you go ahead and tell a story. Hi, this is Michael Stackpole from tsfpn.com. We're really excited here because three of our member shows, Slice of Sci-Fi, Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, and TheForce.net have been nominated for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. These shows racked up nominations in four separate categories, People's Choice, Comedy, Movies, Films, and Top Rated. Because they're our people, and you're our people too, we're hoping they'll be your choice to win these awards. You can show your support for Slice of Sci-Fi, Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, and TheForce.net by heading over to www.podcastawards.com and voting for them. You can vote once a day now through July 31st for each show. Please vote early and often. Thanks for helping out. Welcome back to segment two of The Secrets. In this segment, I generally answer questions from readers about specific problems, but there's a general problem that a lot of readers have asked about, a lot of listeners have asked about, and so I thought I would address it here. And that is the $64,000 question. At least we can hope it's $64,000. How do you get published? There's a lot of people out there that will tell you conflicting things and that there's no hope that you'll ever get published unless you do X or Y or Z. A lot of nonsense going on about it. So let me talk to you about how it is nowadays and, and what really goes on. The first thing you have to do if you want to get published, absolutely want to get published, is you have to finish whatever it is you're working on. You have to make it absolutely the best you can possibly make it. 
that's not easy. Some people will, in fact, share their work with a group of readers. With any luck, these will be more than just relatives who will tell you that it's wonderful. These will be people that have a nodding acquaintance with grammar and diction and all of those things. People who actually read fiction, especially fiction in the area that you're going to be working on. Because they're the only people who are going to have an insight onto whether or not this is publishable. So turning it over to a group of people to read, not a bad idea. Just bear in mind that if they come in with things saying, with notes saying, you should be changing all this, you it's your story. You get to change what you want to change. But hopefully you'll see their criticism as being constructive and positive. Hopefully they will offer it in that same manner. And it will be very helpful for you to find out the things that they don't understand. And if there's anything in your story that you're not sure they're getting right, go ahead and ask them questions back. How did you feel when this happened? What do you think is really going on here? That'll let you know if you're actually delivering what's supposed to be going on in that story. Next, there's an old saw, a catch-22, if you will. People will say that you can't sell a book unless you've got an agent. But they'll say you can't get an agent unless you've sold. This is one of those uh, chicken and the egg kind of things. And the fact is, is that there have been sales before agents, and a lot of people do sell without agents. Unfortunately, since 9-11 and the anthrax scare in New York, just sending a manuscript in over the transom really is not welcomed. So you have to get invited. Most publishers will not look at what are referred to as unsolicited manuscripts. And that means manuscripts they did not ask to see. So how do you get to have a solicited manuscript if you don't have an agent? Well, you attend conventions. There are two conventions in particular that you can go to. Uh, Gen Con, uh, which is in Indianapolis in August, usually has a fair number of writers there, occasionally has editors there. And these are people that you can talk to, get to know, and possibly get an invite to send them a story for an anthology or get an invite by an editor to send a novel when you're done with it. The second one is the World Fantasy Convention. This year in 2005, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. Next year, it will be in Austin, Texas. The World Fantasy Convention is a convention which is fairly expensive to attend, but is wall-to-wall writers, artists, editors, professionals. Uh, this is a convention I've been going to for the past 25 years, and I have never regretted it. It has been very, very useful in terms of networking and just the things that I've learned in panels and getting to meet editors and talk to them and actually sell books. So these are places where when you see an editor, you've listened to them on a panel, you can start a conversation with them, you can mention that you're working on a book, and if they say, hey, you know, I'd like to see it, then that suddenly becomes an invitation. And the cover letter that you send with the book, you end up saying, uh, you know, it was great meeting you at the convention. Here's the novel I was telling you about. I look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. If they offer you a contract, that's when you find an agent and you say, hey, you know, Bantam Books just offered me a contract. Do you want to represent it? Agents will take writers who have never sold before, but only if they see you as being a potential moneymaker for them. They're going to approach it as a business. You need to see it from their point of view as a business and do everything you can to represent to them that you are going to be somebody who's going to make money, who's going to have a career. So that's how you deal with agents and that's how you find agents. Where do you start looking for a publisher to send stuff to? Where do you start looking for an agent to possibly handle you? This becomes very, it's a subtle thing, but this is what I usually recommend. When you have some friends read your book when it's done, you ask them to complete the following sentence. You tell them, look, pretend you're writing the cover copy for the back of my book. You're going to be writing a little blurb there. 
I want you to complete this sentence. In the tradition of, and they name two authors, two authors they think you write like. Well, you compile that list, and when you see two or three people think that you wrote like Harry Turtledove or you write like Steve Donaldson, then you go to the store and you look at who publishes Steve Donaldson, you look at who publishes Harry Turtledove, and those are places to start. You also can find out who it is that agents those people. Why do you want to go to somebody who already agents someone like you and publishes someone like you? Because you know they know how to handle and sell books that are akin to the books that you write. So you've already got a leg up, and that's the way to go, and so that's how you identify those things. Getting published is not an easy process, but it's one of those things that you got to do. you got to bite the bullet, and you've got to try and get published if you want to have a career in writing. If you're just writing for yourself, don't sweat it. It's suddenly not important at all. But if you want to get published, these are some of the steps that you can take to get further along and get a chance at actually being published. Welcome back to segment three of The Secrets. In segment three, I generally try and rescue some word from obscurity, but things are going to be a little bit different today. Today's selection comes from Flappers to Rappers, American Youth Slang by Tom Dalzell. And the word is off. And back in the 60s, off would mean to steal, but later on it came to mean kill. And this is one of the most interesting things when you're developing slang and you're developing a language for a culture that you're inventing, is looking at how many words they have for different things. If you go through it and you look at our culture and our language for how many different words we have for kill, it really becomes kind of amazing. We have a whole bunch of them. When I was working in the Star Wars universe, I had to come up with a whole bunch of slang for how we deal with people blowing other people up, people shooting people. Because they were using light beams, using laser kind of things, you know, we talk about lighting someone up or illuminating them or vaping them, short for vaporize. So these are things that are kind of interesting and you can use this in, a, uh, in your fantasy worlds to make them seem real because we do develop this language. We do develop these different things. So that's something I want you to take a look at. Look at how many slang words, look at the easy to use words that are going to pop up in your universe and use them to make it real. This podcast is copyright Michael A. Stackpole, 2005. Good luck with your writing. Plenty of people would love to write, but figuring out where to start isn't easy. The Secrets is a great place to begin. In this bi-weekly newsletter, Michael A. Stackpole and other writers share their experience. If you want to take your writing to the next level, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned veteran, The Secrets is a serious tool for your development. Visit www.stormwolf.com to learn more about The Secrets and download some sample issues. Your future awaits. Subscribe to The Secrets today.